Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. And I would just like to introduce you as Sicky Pete. <laughs> you know, I know what you're trying to do, but you know it's not as good as just Sicky. Sicky. Sicky Pete. No, it's, <laughs> yours is better. I see what you're trying know. to do. I, I it's ru- like it's a whole Sicky rubber Pete. and glue thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been... Uh, Hard five days, Nikki. Uh, I don't like care it. for being sick. And you know what it is? It's just because when you haven't been sick for a very long time it at all, you. it hits so hard. And I thought I was sick last weekend when my son got sick, but it turns out that was allergies. When I started taking my Flonase again, you everything fine. was fine. Everything was fine. Oh, no. Uh, so, yes, it's really stinky. And do, um, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do the introduction? The whole, just the whole thing. I can, I, I can try. Do you, this would be a, <laughs> unprecedented. I can try. <laughs> I, you know what? Cough self. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you do it. All right. I'm gonna let you do it. I bow to you. I'm, I'm taking over for Sicky Pete. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Nikki Kinzer, <laughs> and over there is Pete Wright. You know what? This is all broken. Let's just do, let's just go into the other thing. It's too weird. It's just too weird. <laughs> all Look, right, we have we a tried. great conversation today. We're, we're starting our series on uh, ADHD influencers. And um, I, I, I feel like this conversation started maybe with Aaron Croft, that, that in my head, because we, you know, we're talking about people who are turning their experience with ADHD in some way, shape or form into a platform to help and inform others with ADHD in uh, across the social media uh, landscape. And today's guest is super charming, a lot of energy. His name is Matt Rakelboom. And he's so nice. Mm -hmm. So nice. He's a good Canadian guy. He is lovely. He is really lovely. So we're going to kick off this series with with Matt in in just a minute. But before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us 
a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list right there on the homepage. And uh, you'll get an email with the latest episode each week. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But to really connect with us, join the ADHD Discord community. It's super easy to jump into the general community chat channel. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord, and you will be whisked over to the general invitation and log in. If you're looking for a little bit more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you to understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. For a few bucks a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow this show, add new features, new podcasts, uh, invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Thank you, everybody who joined during or during our pledge drive a couple of months ago. We have launched the Placeholder podcast. We have launched Coaching with Nikki. We have launched Coffee with Pete. We have, what else have we launched? Accountability anchors mm-hmm. are out. Uh, but uh, The accountability uh, sessions uh, that are being run by you and by Melissa uh, in the community. It's just, we have so much going on now and it is really thanks to your support in this community. So if you if you want to help and get a little back, back in return, uh, jump in, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Do we have any other news? Nope, I think we're ready to go. All right, let's call Matt. Matt. Matt Rakelboom is an ADHD positive online influencer, public speaker, and the founder of the Journey to ADHD online platform. He's got over 300,000 total followers, and he's out to teach those in need how to smile again, even when their minds can be their biggest competitor. Kicking off our series on ADHD influencers, we can't think of a better place to start than right here. Matt, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much, guys. It's a real honor to be well, here. Oh, it's thrilled are, to have you on the show. Yes, thrilled to have you. And and we know you're in Canada. We figured that out. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> tell us, I, I want to learn a little bit more about you. When were you diagnosed? Sort of what was your journey to, to get where you are today? Interesting. So yeah, um, to, to get started, I had the very, very typical hyperactive male diagnosis rate. I got diagnosed when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and instantly back in the early 2000s, that was the time when medication was the one and true answer. And that was it. They were sitting there with a slingshot ready for me to, you know, launch it into my mouth. And I, I had the I had the typical upbringing of I believe somebody in the early 2000s with that fresh diagnosis of I got put into special education right away. Um, I, I grew up in a very, very small town as well. So information was very, very limited to us. I, I grew up in a, in a town of 4000 people, my school had 400 people. So to have any bit of a different label on me back then was, uh, it was interesting. My special education class had seven kids total throughout the entire school. Um, so there was definitely there, there was, I, I grew up with that feeling of being very singled out. As I was going to say yeah. that, that had to have been just awful to put it like bluntly. And the way that I relate to that is, uh, I had speech therapy growing up and I remember mm-hmm. being in elementary school and I lived in a very small town and being in elementary school and the speech therapist would pull me out of class so we could do our, <laughs> our therapy sessions. And I thought that was awful. 
Like I can't, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like, like the a, end. that's just like this short little period of time during the day. So yeah, that had to have been an interesting, did that go through, like, cause I know uh, Canada is a little bit different in their school system. Did that go all the way through like high school too, or like, Oh, yeah. absolutely. It did. Um, because I was in the, the, the educational system that I was, or not the system, but more so the classes, um, I was actually, I, I was advised to my parents to not put me in either applied or academic courses in high school. Um, I was put in special education without, without an option throughout my whole high school career, even to the point where I was still learning addition and subtraction in math in grade 12. Mm, wow. Um, and that was one of the more interesting things that I love to speak about because I was insanely good. I think I had like a 98 average and everyone was like, no, 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 you still have a broken brain. You still have wow. all of this going on. And I was like, okay, I guess so. Like, in a, you know, I went through the, I went through the typical thing of being a child, all of these adults telling me I'm, I am special needs. So yeah. I believed it. Yeah. And I think that was the toughest part. The other side, of course, just talking about um, the speech therapy thing. Oh my God, you know, it was the worst thing that i don't know if school systems do this today i actually have no idea but they used to announce it oh geez they used to be like all right everybody pull out your pens and papers we're going to do an exam except for you you and you you're going to get up and go to an easier classroom oh, wow. boy. Like, okay you know i don't think that they announce it but i will tell you there's still very much a stigma because my daughter's 16 and uh she did not want the extra time on tests and she didn't want to have to go into a different room to take a test because mm -hmm. There is that singling out of feeling like something's wrong or something's different. That's really interesting, too, though, because I, you know, in our experience, both of my kids had accommodations and had the extra time. And but one of the things that the that the um, the advisors said is we're going to give you these accommodations. The lesson you're going to need to learn is to advocate for yourself. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to just assume you're going to go to a different place. You're going to have mm. to tell us when you need the time and a half on assignments. You're going to have to tell us when, if it's a test that you feel like you're going to need help on. And that, I think, taught the kids some really interesting lessons. They totally screwed up by not wanting to be embarrassed several times and eventually just got completely over that. They were like, okay, this is a test I need to have 100% attention, as much as close to 100% as I can muster. I'm going to the testing center, and I don't care what it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think that's, that is so interesting how tides mm -hmm, change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially I, I, I've talked about this very seriously for a long time where I believe people in that were born in the 80s and 90s, I think we actually got the hardest, um, the hardest time growing up with ADHD compared to anybody else, because that was when ADHD really started to be known. Yeah, anymore. there's no question. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah, and, and nobody knew what it was. Everyone just knew that, like, oh my God, that guy has yeah. ADHD. Get away from him. You might catch the right. ADHD if you And it was yeah. all boys. And it was like, never it, girls. And yeah. so that it, yeah. It was a, yeah. It was insane amounts of just boys and only the hyperactive right. yeah. boys, too, of course. Um, I always call myself the poster child for hyperactive ADHD kids because I definitely was. Um, but, you know, it, it was so interesting that, like, they, they would say, okay, guys, group projects. And it was like it was like being picked last for kickball. Yeah. Like, nobody would come yeah. near me because they were like, oh, he's got ADHD. Better get away mm -hmm. from him. And that it made me feel, you know, I, I believe that you guys can definitely relate to this. But the number one thing that I always tell people with ADHD is we have that stigma of feeling very mm -hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to work with you. Nobody wants to know anything about you. Everyone just goes, oh, he has ADHD. So he's just going to vibrate off the walls. Yeah. And, never stop talking. And that's not ADHD. Mm -hmm. right. So, 
you're a social media influencer. This is so exciting. <laughs> and I had a chance. Yeah, well, and you know, I'll be honest, I don't I don't follow you, but that is not anything to do with you. It's just that I don't, you know, follow much of anyone on it. And that's my age group showing me my age, right? That I was I was born yeah. earlier than the 80s and the 90s. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I had a chance to look at what you're doing, Matt, and it is fabulous. And I love the the um, authenticity that you pull, that you're putting out there. You're so real. You're so um, vulnerable. And you're really inspiring. This last post that I saw was like, you know, you're, you're not alone. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And so I think there's so many people um, that do need to hear that. And so I'm really curious, like, how, how did this begin? Where did you start? Did you come, did you go out thinking this is the message I wanted to, to have or what? And, and uh, do I want to be the messenger? Yeah, yeah, because oh, you're goodness. the messenger, um, <laughs> for sure. So, so, so if I can give you guys a little bit of background as to why I, I believe there is nobody more passionate than I am, and I'm very, very strong on that appear uh, on that opinion. Um, to, to give you a little bit of background, so I was heavily medicated a, as a young child, not not even just normally medicated. I was given almost double the legal dose mm. um, because my parents referred to my ADHD medication as the miracle drug. Oh. And whenever I showed one more symptom, if I gave my dad any back talk, if I, you know, didn't do a chore, they went to my psychologist and went up the dosage he's showing again. Wow. And I think I had a psychologist that was very okay doing that to the point where by the end of it, I was on about 90 milligrams of Adderall. Oh my God, man. For those that are listening, if you don't know, at least in Canada, I believe the legal limit is around 45 milligrams. And how old were you at this time? Uh, like when you were at your peak? Uh, I was probably around 16, 17 years old. Good Lord, man. Wow. Yeah. And the thing that it taught me was one of two things. And by the way, I am not anti-medication. I want to put that out on the line right away. I talk very highly of medication, but not in my circumstances to what I'm about to explain. Medication taught me at a young age that my parents would only accept me. My friends would only accept me if I took the pills, if I took the substance that made me likable. That, that was my normal people pill. I got to go out and I got to experience life and sniff air outside as long as I have this pill in my system. Um, the other thing that it taught me was that there was no such thing as getting this on my own. There was no such thing as feeling comfortable without it. And that was all fine and dandy until truthfully speaking, until I got into the teenage years of finding alcohol, finding marijuana and finding that much more. And a, a big thing that happened to me very early on living in a small town with not a lot to do with a bunch of kids that also had not a lot to do. You know, we, we found our substances early. We found that kind of lifestyle early. And I realized that when I drink this liquor, when I smoke this thing, when I do these things, everybody likes me that much more. So there's another outlet that I can go to that isn't medication. And I, I always had parents that said, no, you're not going to do sports. No, you can't play video games. Video games break your mind. You know, they, they took away the stimulants that could have actually helped me now that we know what we know today. Um, and I found my stimulants in ways that parents couldn't say no to, and it was fantastic. Um, that led me into a life of very, very tough drug addiction, food addiction, alcoholism, nicotine addiction. Um, I was at a point where I used to drink about a bottle of whiskey a night by the time I turned 19, yeah. and I'd smoked about a pack and a half of cigarettes well, a day. Well, you can kind of wow. see, too, just how the, the and I'm heavy air quotes, the support system starting when you were a small child in school, like pulling you mm-hmm. out, isolating you, like all of those things that were purported to help uh, actually avalanche right it, it creates this avalanche to to this teenager and and young adult that ends up having nowhere else to go but rebellion 
that's exactly it. We were talking about your kids earlier and how they got all these accommodations. I got a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. And and I did what any other kid with ADHD did at the time. I loaded StarCraft onto it when no one was Absolutely looking and I played video games. Absolutely you did. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. But nobody knew how to block video right. games back then. It was awesome. <laughs> My god, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it was one of the simplest things, but it, it brought me to this world where where everybody isolated me and where everybody didn't accept me. Everybody did the second that I took a shot. Everybody did the second yeah. that I, you know, I, I became the kid that always smelled like smoke, that was always partying, that was always doing mm-hmm. something. And it led me to a very, very tough life where I gained over 100 pounds after high school. And you talk about this journey because I've seen it on your on your social media, too. So you talk about this weight loss as well, right? Yeah. I absolutely do. And if anybody goes on my Instagram, I'm very, I'm very open about this. I have tons of before and after mm-hmm. pictures of just how different my face looked, different how how different my body looked. Um, to this day, I've lost over 80 wow. pounds. Uh, I'm completely sober. I live a very, very good life. And this all started the day that I learned about ADHD. Because what was interesting is even though I had the diagnosis, um, I don't know if you guys I, I hear this a lot, but my favorite thing to tell people is medication is very different than education mm-hmm. towards ADHD. Ooh, I like and, that because a lot of times people will say medication, what it, what will they say? It's it's just, it doesn't teach the skill, right? Or whatever. It, like there's a absolutely. saying about that, but I haven't heard that. It doesn't give you the education. That is to really be- good. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I made it up or not. One day I just started saying it and I was like, that well, me? we're going to say you made it up. Wanna... <laughs> All right. I, I'm into it because I really like saying that. Yeah, no, it's really um, good. In fact, I just put it on a T-shirt and it's cited to you. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, education over medication, I believe, is so unbelievably important. And the number one thing that you could tell all parents and people in their early 20s today, or I believe the people that need to be affected by that the most. And the day that I did this, I could tell you where I was, what I was wearing, and what job I was doing, and what I was doing in that well, job. Well, then tell us. I want to hear all of that. I was in landscape architecture. Okay. Um, and that was where I found myself after many failed jobs. But we can get into that later on if we have time. Um, but I, I found landscaping as a way to just make me happy, at least to get through until I got to go home and get messed up again. But there was one day where I was looking for my 1,780th diet to go on. And, uh, you know, here I am, I was 260 pounds, really, really not happy with life, not in a good situation. I was borderline hoarder. I, you know, I had moldy food everywhere around my bedroom, clothing all over the ground, you know, the, the typical failing mindset type of human being. And I found actually faster than normal with Peter Shank. Mm-hmm. If you ever mm-hmm. have ever yeah, seen that know. before, um, I stumbled upon actually before I found faster than normal. I found Peter um, on a random podcast. I can't tell you what the podcast was, which is very upsetting, but it was diet and ADHD. And I went, what? I'm the only person with ADHD. Why are they talking about it? And that was actually my mind. Really? I actually, I never met someone in my entire life with ADHD. And I was about 23. Wow. At Were you still in the same little hometown? I was, yeah, I, I actually was up until yeah, last year. <laughs> yeah, I just asked because, I mean, okay. it, it would feel more like that if you were in a small town that you really probably, I mean, it it's truth. You felt like you were the only one. That makes sense. Absolutely. You know, my parents were told that I was broken. So they went, hey, you're broken. And I went, okay. And that was, you know, I accepted it in my life. But the day that I heard that, I listened to this because I was like, what, what does ADHD have to do with diet? And I, I can't tell you perfectly what was in this podcast. But the thing that I kept noticing that Peter Shankman would say is he kept saying ADHD can be amazing. And I kept saying what everybody else with ADHD says. They go, how dare you? 
How dare you say that something that has ruined my life and made me so isolated and so uncomfortable. How dare you say that this can be a great thing, that this can create some of the greatest entrepreneurs in history, that this can create such an unbelievable mindset, give you the ability to not only obtain, but retain more information than the average human being. How can you say these things? But while I said, how dare you, I listened to him a little bit more and I looked up his name and I found his podcast, which was phenomenal. And I listened to, I think, every episode. He had over 100 episodes at the time. Um, and I listened to, I think, every episode in like five days. <laughs> I, just, I, I was like not sleeping. I was not eating. I wasn't doing anything else but just listening to other people talk about yeah. ADHD. And I went, oh, my God, I think there's a way to not be such a terrible human being. And I, and I don't mean to say that in an invalidating way, but I truly saw myself as that. I saw myself as just somebody living until I die. Wow. And it's very upsetting to hear, but that is truly my mm -hmm. mentality. And I started focusing on my ADHD. And I'm sorry if I'm dragging No, this is great. But, you're, um, keep going. This is why you're here. I, I started... <laughs> yeah, I started focusing on my habit formation. I started focusing on little things. Like they said, make your bed. Because as we all know, it's not about the habit you complete. It's about the fact that you completed mm -hmm. a habit. And I love those mm -hmm. kind of sayings. And those kind of things can create your dopamine. They can create your serotonin. So all of a sudden, girlfriend I was with at the time had no interest in caring about any of this. And I went, I got to make our bed. And she'd be like, what for? And I'd be like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I started doing that. And I started, you know, doing five push-ups in the morning and five sit-ups. And I started, you know, just instead of the double Big Mac that I would eat at McDonald's every single day, I switched over to a Big mm. Mac. And then I switched over to a chicken burger. And then I just started looking for positives in my diet in any way possible. Instead of Coca-Cola, I used to change, I changed over to energy mm. drinks. And even though that is not a healthy alternative, it had caffeine. So it just kind sure. of boosted me. And I was like, oh, caffeine can help the brain. So yeah, sure. Why not? And the day that changed my life, guys, I, I can get into the story way deeper, but the day that changed my life was the day that I accidentally fell asleep sober. It was my first day in probably five or six years of actually being loaded every day of my life. And I, I fell asleep sober while I was getting ready to actually do some MDMA with my girlfriend at the time. It was just something we did to be happy at night. And... I, I was just fine not getting messed up to go to sleep. And I just, I, did, I was like, hey, before we get messed up, let me stretch first. Let me, you know, let me change my clothing. Let me, you know, do some deep breathing. And then I fell asleep and she didn't wake me up. Wow. And the next morning I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I saw the acne on my face. And I saw the shape that I was. As I said, I had gained over a hundred pounds since high school. And I never knew. I never thought about it. I never cared about it. I just saw myself progress and that was it. And I looked at myself and I went, something's here and something can be different. And that was the day I actually left that girlfriend. We had a house together. Um, we, we had a dog together. We, we bought all of our furniture, all of our everything. And I, I said, I'm leaving. I, I don't want to do this and I need to change my life. And I don't know how, and I'm changing everything about it. Wow. At the time, I didn't have a good relationship with my family. I didn't really have any friends left because I stole from each one of them and I did some pretty terrible things. So I left to be homeless. Mm. I left the home yeah. that I had and just said, I'm going to live in my car until I can save up enough money to buy an apartment. And I went and got a gym membership. And uh, I did that so that I could park outside of the gym and use their free Wi-Fi and go walk on the treadmill so I could watch TV every so often and shower. 
And uh, <laughs> for those that are- yeah. How long did you do that for? Um, I actually can't give you an exact amount, but I know it was at least over a month. Okay. Wow. Um, and I had my dog with me at the time. The girl didn't want the what dog. What was your relationship with substances? Like you were you able to bid adieu to the molly and the alcohol? Like is that, this is when that transition happened? So this is when the transition happened and I decided to do the worst thing in the world. And I'm telling everybody that will be listening to this, do not do what I did, but I decided to stop everything cold Turkey. I stopped my oh, medication man. for ADHD. I stopped MDMA. I stopped cocaine. I, I stopped whiskey. I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. Um, I developed. Meanwhile, your kidney, <laughs> kidneys and liver turn inside out yep. yeah. for and, a number of weeks. Yep. And for that next month, I sat there in my vehicle that I had and I twitched and I sweat and Good I Lord, my man. dog. And the one thing that I had, though, being a millennial, the one thing that I had even being a homeless person was obviously I still had a cell phone with a decent data plan. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. and Try what it from I did, your cold, dead hands, right? Yep. And what I did during that time was I started Googling. Why am I sweating? Why am I twitching? Why am I, why am I freaking out right now? Why does it feel so empty? Why is life not worth living right now? And the one thing that I realized after doing all of this was there was an answer for absolutely anything if I looked hard enough. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was the day that sparked in my head. I went, holy crap, I actually think I, I'm not a dumb person. That was the day where I went, I'm starting to learn things about myself. I'm starting to figure things out. And I started learning what food that I could eat on a very budget-restricted diet with no, with no help from a kitchen. And I started you know, just learning about addiction. And I started learning about all these things. And I went, wait a second, this correlates perfectly with ADHD. And then I started just Googling, why does ADHD do this? And you know, I found all of those really, really rough to read black and white articles yeah. that were everywhere um, that I just, I just started reading and I developed a hyperfixation that to this day, I study for over an hour a day, every day. And I've been doing this again, since I was about 23. So I'm 29 now. So about six years mm. of studying one hour a day. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that I knew more than the average person, which was very, very interesting to me. And when I started learning about the brain, before I started caring about fitness, before I started caring about health in total, I lost over 50 pounds. Which, mean, which taught me two things. It taught me that number one, my body was never meant to be as big as it was. Yeah. And yeah. number two, it taught me that, wow, my brain had so much to do with the bad things that were going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From doing this, I, I continued to landscape. I actually ended up owning a franchise for a little while, which was fantastic. I was very, very proud of that. Um, and I decided to take everything into the next levels, which is where I wanted to start helping other people. I wanted to start teaching people just about things I read on the internet. And that was almost mm -hmm. the way that I described it. Um, I started helping people for free. I started just saying anybody who wants to, I had local groups in my, in like local Facebook groups for just my small County. And I'd be like, if anybody has a kid with ADHD, can I just tell you about what happened to me? Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants to want help losing weight, I'll help you for free. I'll go running with you. I'll do whatever for free. And I just started helping people to the point where I had over 35 weekly clients um, that would talk to me. When I say clients, I just mean people I talk to for free. I just right. had so much fun yeah. with it. And I just, I couldn't put them down. I couldn't stop talking to them. I was talking to them at two in the morning and then waking up at six for work. And while that was not healthy to do, I just loved it. I love mm -hmm. talking to people. Yeah. I love doing all this kind of stuff. And I did, and I swear to God, the story is almost done. <laughs> but um, what ended up happening to me next is I said, I want to try and do this full time. I want to see if I can turn this into a career. So I decided to get into the health and fitness industry. And I decided to try and help people with no degree um, to, to teach people about diet and exercise. 
And that was a terrible idea, but I, I, I did it anyways. <laughs> Gotta and try it. I, I went out with a good friend of mine. I, I went and traveled for the first time in my entire life. I went and traveled. I finally took, took time to do something for myself. And for an entire week, I went down to British Columbia, which is the most beautiful place in all of Canada. And I went hiking and I went running down there. And I met up with a friend of mine who actually does course creation for a lot of big coaches out there in the world. Mm -hmm. he, he works heavily in the fitness industry and the mental health industry, all that kind of stuff. And him and I just had a long, long talk. And I told him about everything that I do. And he said, can I be honest with you, Matt? And I went, yes, of course. And he went, I do not care about your health and diet tips. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and oh, my heart, probably, good right? morning, yeah. humiliation. My heart dropped out of me. And I yeah. felt so upset. But he said, can I tell you what you don't realize that you keep talking about? Yeah. And I went, yeah, sure. And he said, you keep mentioning ADHD. You keep talking about your ADHD. And I go, yeah, but nobody cares about ADHD. So, so that's why I talk <laughs> about health and fitness. And he went, I think if you talked, somebody would care. Yeah. Oh, for so sure. I went home from BC and I decided to join this random thing called TikTok. Literally didn't even have the app <laughs> before this yeah. night. And I heard TikTok was a great organic place to, to reach people, to get to talk to people, get to do all this kind of stuff. So I made a video and it was the first video that I ever created. And I talked about ADHD and why it can be a superpower and not a curse provided that we put in the work. I, I said, do you guys not realize how amazing your brain can be if you do these things? I've been in a bad place and I promise you can get out of it. And while I'll be honest, looking back at it, it was a very invalidating video. I was very blunt about it because of how strong, <laughs> strong yeah. opinionated I was at the time. I went, to, I went to bed with that video at 90 views and here I am going, wow, 90 <laughs> views. This is like, that's that organic reach that people are talking about. 90 people read my message. That is so cool. And I woke up the next morning at 180,000 views on that video. Wow. And uh, to this day, it, that video exploded so much that I got over 2.2 million views on the first video with the first message and the first minute of anything I ever tried to do. Wow. And the reason someone's why I, listening. Yeah, someone. A lot, a lot. People. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were over 15,000 comments, and they were one of two things they were either screw you. Or please tell me more. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I was in the screw you phase. And then I became in the tell me more phase. And I realized that there was something there. I realized that there was there were people that might be able to change their lives the way that I had. And I wanted to help so badly because I've been alone my entire life. And you, that, wow. that's how yeah. I got started. How'd you, how do you, how do you move from the waking up and having 180,000 views to what the hell am I going to post for my second video? Like there, and, and I yeah. don't mean that like as, as like you building a curriculum, but I mean, if I put myself in your shoes, I'm sitting there deep in the valley of imposter syndrome. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, completely, this is one hit wonder. I'll never do anything as good as that again. Well, how do you, how do you get over that? Because clearly, clearly you did. You did. <laughs> You know, the, the, the ultimate thing that I did was I just realized that everybody had questions. And one of the beautiful parts, you know, it, it, was, it was a sense of privilege, but also obviously I, I, I got the attention for a reason. Um, but I had, a, I, I, like I said, I had 15,000 comments from people being like, well, what about in my relationship? What about an addiction? What about my video games and my parents hate them? And I just took those comments and I answered everyone. I actually, um, I, I, I take a lot of pride in this, but also I look back on it and I'm like, you idiot, Matt, that was horrible for you. I answered over 700 comments. 
in that oh, in, in that first video. And it's because I wasn't willing to put it down. I had yeah. changed my yeah. life and it was the most passionate, amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And I, I wanted to talk to every single person. I actually tried to keep up with the comments for a while and mm -hmm. uh, I got, I made myself real sick, but mm -hmm. oh, making content, the, the best advice that I could possibly give about making ADHD content or content in general, you got to make it for you. And if somebody appreciates mm -hmm. it, they'll watch. Yeah. I never ever looked at it like, what do I need to educate others on? It's mm -hmm. what do I need to speak on my experience that might help somebody, might hurt somebody, but it has to be for you. And that's the way that I, I've made over 400 videos to date. Um, because I, I, every single video I make, I don't care about the views. I'm not trying to make another one hit wonder. In fact, any influencer that if you guys are doing an influencer series, I'm sure that you will hear this a million times over. Nobody wants to go viral after you've been viral like three times. If you, mm -hmm. if you make three viral videos the entire time, the panic that goes through your body, you want to talk about the panic of imposter syndrome, the panic of looking down and seeing that you have 180,000 notifications in your phone. Yeah. There, yeah. There's nothing like that panic. And every so often when like, when it calms down, you go like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. while going viral is an amazing and very special thing, it's, it's insanely hard and no one in the world can handle it. I've never met an influencer that goes, oh yeah, I love when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have it all down. So yeah. a question though about the content, because I know just from like us doing a podcast on a weekly basis, there's a lot of thought that still goes through like, what are we going to talk about? Who are we bringing on? I mean, we have a theme that we like to, to go off of. I have to imagine there's some thought to you or do you just honestly like maybe not maybe you just open up the video and you just talk about whatever you want to talk about that day i, I mean i can see that happening too <laughs> so for me truly um everybody including my assistant including anybody that works with me they all think that i'm sick in the head for doing this um but i make every video an hour before or i decide to make yeah. the video an hour before i actually make it and I just wow. talk about whatever's on my mind that day. And I have the That's privilege awesome. of working with some unbelievable clients that I, I do one-on-one -on -one sessions with. And I get to talk to some amazing people around the world and I get to hear what's on their mind. And I speak about what maybe we talked about that day or mm -hmm. maybe just what I learned that day. Like I said, I study for an hour a day and sometimes just what, what comes to mind. What a lot of people don't realize the difference between you guys talking about you know an entire podcast as opposed to a one minute video there is no video I've ever made that was a complete fact in one minute. That is actually the mm. hardest part because I believe I'm actually, I can't wait to get into YouTube. I can't wait to get into podcasting, truthfully. Um, yeah. But the one minute videos, I mean, I could talk about addiction with 70 different videos and mm -hmm. I still won't be out of content for that. Right. Um, right. So, and, and truly, by the time that you've made 70, how many people watch the first video through the next 69 of them? Sure. Right. How many people are, are able to keep up with that? Well, for example, you know, this morning, I as I'm scrolling through your feed, I'm, I stop at toxic positivity and ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I find that a provocative topic. And I and I, I find your video a provocative video, and I get to the end of it. And I'm like, wait a minute, clearly, there's more. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you decide at to that point, specifically, how do you decide? Like this is I, I have to do this as a teaser for some future content. And I know I have to stop right now. I know there's more to say, and it pains me to have to stop. But I have to stop right now because of what the algorithm has demands. I, I don't know what goes what goes into your thought process there. Uh, sheer and utter panic as to what is the right decision. Outstanding. <laughs> mm -hmm. Outstanding. Yeah. So you're human. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there is the thought of, do I talk about this forever? Do I make a series on this? Because some people right. really love some series. Some people really hate some series. So, yeah. And some people like the fact that I don't really have a niche. Like ADHD is a topic that I cover, but I teach people about addiction, parenting, brain hacking, understanding ADHD. Food, sex. ADHD. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. you got it all. Un- unbelievable mm-hmm. amounts. And I believe that's actually why I am smaller than I believe I could be. If I had picked a niche and stayed with it, I believe I would actually have a more dedicated audience. Um, But the thing that I want to do is I want to teach everybody that, you know, there is a broad spectrum of things to understand. And one of the, one of the issues that I truly have is figuring out, do I keep talking about this? Do I keep talking about my toxic positivity? Do I keep talking about food and all of this kind of stuff? I have little mini series for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I can do is just add to it when I'm passionate about it. And I find that because I put my passion into each one of my videos, um, I'm never truly straining myself in what content gets created next, which I believe is actually about myself. Oh, I was going to say, that's probably the key of the success, right? Is that it's not a strain. It's not something you feel like you have to do or that you're dreading. It's coming so naturally. And I suppose if there is a time where there, it does feel differently, then you would probably need to sit back and think about what you're doing next. Uh, but it, 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 it makes sense. Do you, okay. So there's a lot of platforms out there. I know you're on TikTok. You're on, you're on Instagram. Are those the two main ones yes, that you do? Okay. Um, so we have kind of this ongoing kind of funny thing about TikTok. Like I'm never going to be on TikTok. It's not going to happen. But I also have this like idea that TikTok is all about dancing and stuff like that. And it's not. So can you, can you kind of shed some light about like what, what you're seeing when people are commenting and and what they're getting out of that? Cause that is not what TikTok is all about. You're right. And you know, that it was, and originally, at one point, yeah, originally TikTok was made for singing. It was made for music. It wasn't even right. made for dancing or any of that kind of stuff. And I think one of the beautiful parts about TikTok is they offer organic reach for anybody to talk about anything. And mental health naturally became a part of that. Same with education in general. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is before people like myself, Connor DeWolf, Katie Asaurus, Kobe Watts, like some of the bigger creators that are out there, um, we there was no ADHD talk on there. We created the subject on a platform where we didn't know. I, none of us. I, I I'm good friends with a lot of the bigger creators that are out there, and not a single one of us were doing this to get to the level that we're at. We were never mm-hmm. trying to become famous influencers. We were never trying to develop these audiences. We all just wanted to talk about it, mm-hmm. and it ended up actually sparking the trend. ADHD is one of the biggest trending topics in the world right now. And mm, it started great. with platforms like TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Bringing and the awareness up front, right? That's one of the most beautiful parts about what TikTok has done. There, there's always controversy about differences in the platforms. I could tell you that TikTok clientele are very different than Instagram clientele. Tell, mm-hmm. tell uh, us people, about that. That was like, that's literally my next question. What goes yeah. into who you're talking to on each platform? It's interesting. People on TikTok, they're there to learn more about you, where Instagram, I believe that they are there to learn. And I believe that Uh, that's a difference. It's a really interesting distinction. Right. They are are there to learn everything about what you're saying, but also they want to see you dance. They want to see you do trends. TikTok is a more playful platform. It absolutely is. When you talk about the song and dance, yes. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of even good influencers in the ADHD space, they do the dances while posting ADHD facts. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never done that. I am a terrible dancer and there's no faking (laughs) that. Um, So someday we'll have to do one together where we're both like, you know, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just, I'm like, maybe. Um, but but the the interesting part is people are there more to be entertained on, yeah. on TikTok. And I think that's what it's become is a very, very entertainment-based platform where Instagram is a place where people go to really, they want to learn actually what you know. They want to see exactly what you do. It's very interesting. Something that I, I noticed creator-wide is Instagram has more interaction than TikTok, even at a much smaller following. I myself have about 45,000 followers on Instagram and 260,000 on TikTok. And I actually get more, in, uh, more interaction from Instagram than TikTok. Is that because uh, TikTok is the the primacy of TikTok is that inertia, like it wants you to watch a video and then watch another video, uh, because that that feels like we're, we were talking about the algorithmic demands. Like TikTok mm-hmm. is just keep creating, keep creating, but Instagram gives you a little bit more time to pause. That's it, it's it's I, I believe that's a hundred percent right. Instagram mm-hmm. is very like if you have a following, that following will see you. But on TikTok, everybody is all about you. Look at a video and then you go. <laughs> and then you go to the and next then video. Move on. Yeah. And then you go to the next video. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and the next video. And okay. you know, every so often you'll hit the follow button. You know, the average person on on TikTok will have like three to five thousand people that they're following, even when you're a followed person. Three the, to five thousand. Look at it. Mm. Look at just an average TikTok account. You will see thousands of people that they're following, which means that even your followers barely see your content. Right. Wow. Right. But on Instagram, you're not just you're not just having people. I I say this very playfully, but you know, I always joke about TikTok being just people sitting there drooling at the mouth two hours into a a doom scroll, as they call it. Yeah. And just going, "Ah, ah, ah, ah," just going over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. Where on Instagram, I believe that people follow you because they're like, "Wow, I actually want you in my newsfeed." I believe by having the feed as an available option, they nobody wants to see a million people that just are posting cats if they if they only think cats are cute sometimes. Yeah, so they won't follow those people. What's your favorite platform? Instagram as as a publisher. Instagram, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. People people on Instagram are so thankful. They are so happy, and I believe it's actually an age demographic that truly creates that. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. people are very open and not to mention you, you can actually message people on Instagram. The, the, I, I get an average of 50 to 70 new messages a day. And I'm not talking previous people that I've already talked to. I mean, message requests from new people, yeah. mm-hmm. 50 to 70 a day on average of people just being like, you are so helpful. Thank you so much. People like people are so appreciative. I want to give them all of my time. So what are some things I'm curious, like, does anything I mean, I know you probably have a million different experiences of different situations where people like really touched you. Does anything just stand out? Like when I ask you, like, what is what is a situation or somebody that's reached out that you were just like, wow, that really, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I actually, if anybody was ever to look in my cell phone, I have screenshots of literally thousands of messages that I've gotten over this time of people saying, I never knew I could be this amazing. I never knew that oh. I could do these things. I'm doing such incredible things. I have never had a closer relationship with my children. I've never had a better relationship with my partner. Things like that. Changing people's lives is, it's a scary thought, to be completely honest. Because that's when imposter syndrome really kicks in of like, I, I was told I was terrible my whole life. I was told that I was broken and these people are telling me how, how great it is to hear my voice. And it's very difficult sometimes, but hearing that these people possibly went from where I started in my very, very bad phases. I've had people say that I'm not suicidal anymore after finding you and a few others and things like that. 
as somebody that has gone through the darkest moments of his life and changed and hearing that I'm helping others, I I've cried more in the last year than I have probably like the, the total flow yeah. of tears has probably been like 28 years prior compared to this year. I not a question as to which one has more. Well, and it's interesting. Cause I have to say, uh, I'm uh, you know, kind of speaking on behalf of my daughter a little bit, but you know, she's 16, she's on TikTok, She looks at Instagram she's on Snapchat, all of those things that you would, uh, you know, expect a 16 year old to be in or on. And she has ADHD. And I just um, talked to her over the weekend about RSD and what it is and why I thought that there was a particular situation where I think that's how she was responding to it and giving her that education. And it's so interesting to me how she's really hung on to that and she's learning more about it and she's trying to figure out more about like how her brain works and why she reacts this way. And uh, I think that, you know, with what I mean, I feel the same a lot of ways, like what you're saying about what Pete and I do in in the community and and how we, you know, want this, the show to come across to people. What you do in, in the regard, especially like to TikTok and that younger demographic is so important because they are paying attention because she just posted a little cartoon thing about RSD that she found on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she actually responded to that person, but she was paying attention to it. And uh, and so I, I don't you know, I just want to say I think it's a really important um, and respected thing that you're doing because these kids, these young adults, these young kids that are still trying to figure out what this means as adults who are still trying to figure out what it means. Mm-hmm. They, they want to hear your story and they want to be able to flip that and see it. And I'm going to just keep running, going on and on and on. So I'll stop talking now, but (laughs) (laughs) I hope you get my point. (laughs) I really appreciate that. You know, that, that is where the passion comes from is making people feel less alone in the world. We, in my opinion, I believe that people with ADHD are the most alone people and we're not like, there's so many people out there in the world that have ADHD, but because of our misdiagnosis rate, especially if you have ADHD, who cares? So does 16 other kids in the class, except many of them are dopamine deficient or many of them just can't find their keys that just, they, they, they say, Oh, I can't study either. So I must have ADHD. And then you as somebody that's actually struggling, you're seeing these people interact with others. Fine. You're seeing mm-hmm. them, you know, not go through the emotional dysregulation, the RSD. You're, you're seeing them get their homework done, get to school on time. And you're going, why am I so much worse than them? I better never tell anyone. Yeah. And I find that the, the, the feeling of being alone with ADHD is it's so real in the world that I believe that that's the best part about being an influencer right now is that we're reaching those that have not been reached yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe that the key to changing the world in RSD, or sorry, not in RSD, ADD, ADD um, is to teach people the why. You have RSD, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this is happening. My, my favorite, very, very quick story, because I know that we're getting a little bit up there in time. Um, my favorite quick story was um, I never used to wash my hands when I was a kid. And the reason why I never used to wash my hands is because my parents said, wash your damn hands. And, <laughs> of course. And I, yeah. I go, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to wait outside of my bathroom door, like with his ear pressed against it. Be like, I don't hear the sink yet. Oh, and the worst. So wow. Naturally, I would turn on the sink and hover my hands around the water. I would never even touch the water or I'd put a little dab of water on my finger, rub it on my hand. Yeah. And I'd be like, see, they're even glistening. Go away, dad. 
But the day uh, that I changed my washing my hands habit, I hate to tell you this, this is kind of gross, but it was in high school um, when I took an, a, 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 um, an economics course where they actually taught us about what germs are doing to your skin. And I went, soap cures that? And from that day, I washed my hands. I'm all over the washroom. <laughs> yeah. But it's because nobody yeah. ever told me why. I had a why? parent. Yeah. I had a parent that I worked with recently that her kid refused to brush his teeth. And I was like, does he know why? And she goes, he doesn't need to know why. And I went, that's why. I think he does. Yeah. 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 It's massive because we have an over inquisitive brain. We need Mm -hmm. to know the answers in order to care. That's the same reason on why, for some reason, you can't learn one fact about cardboard. You got to learn about the manufacturing, the different, the differentiation, and the materials, everything just about cardboard. And for some reason, all yeah. of us know these ridiculous oh, facts. God, don't get me started on my love for corrugation. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it back around to the education piece. And that's awesome because that's exactly what you're saying is that yeah. giving them that education and having them learn more about themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Tell me. Tell me Tell me what medication does for me. Are you are you nuts? The day that I learned about medication, I went, wow, I don't have to take medication. And while that is not easy, and one more mm-hmm. thing I'm going to stress to everybody, I, I am not medicated, by the way. I, I feel like we probably should have mentioned that at this some point in the, in the podcast. I'm you not still medicated probably anymore. have enough in your system after a regular <laughs> dose of 90. Maybe I do. I've never thought about You're okay, <laughs> man. It's in your bones. It's in your blood um, now. But I live a very, that, very holistic lifestyle. And the one thing that I tell yeah. people is it's not easy, but it's 100% possible. Right. And because of that, because of that thought, not like a holistic lifestyle can can be effective up to 95% of what medication can do for your brain. And because of which it is possible, but it's a lot of work and you got to be well educated to be able to live that properly. And I think that's the part that a lot of us don't realize. We just think it's either the question is always, I, I love saying this, the question is never medicated or unmedicated, it's treated or untreated. And if you just get off medication, then sit there on the couch still and eat crappy food, then you're going to have a very tough time. That's a really good point because the treatment, it's its a full, it's its a puzzle is what I always say. It's its its a lot of different things. It's sleep. It's how you're eating. It's exercise. It's uh, how you're managing stress. Medication can be a part of it. Therapy can be a part of it. Coaching can be a part of it. Community is a part of it. Education is a part of it. I mean, there's so many pieces and I think it's really important for people to see that, that it's not just one thing. If medication doesn't work for you, it's not the end all. Like there are other things uh, that can help. So yeah, it's great. And yeah. I'm not anti-medication either. I don't want, I mean, it's just, it's a one piece of it. It's just one yeah. piece of it. Absolutely. Yep. I'm so pro, I'm so pro medication. Just, uh, just, yeah. I mean, I'm just in general, I'm pro, pro Because science. you're on cold medication and, right yeah, now so that you <laughs> can even be Where here be to talk. I wasn't so pro yeah. medication He's over right here now. floating away. I'm and sorry. Like, He's great. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to go buy stock cold and Tylenol right now. Cold medication is awesome. Black show, <laughs> Smith, Klein, whoever. The one thing that I say in all of my medication talks, the, the any time that I've ever educated people on medication, the one thing that I always tell people is that medication does what it's supposed to do. 100%, it, it helps with the things that we struggle with and cannot create on our own. The, the difference, however, is that it also has the ability to have negative side effects. So that is why a lot of people are scared of it. And a lot of people are like, is medication working for me? Yes, it is. But it might be reacting with your body different, which is why you need to be open to trying different kinds of medication. It's why you need to be open to even playing around with stimulation versus non-stimulant based medication. Why why you have to be able to play around with diet, exercise, medication. It it is so well known that medication is not enough 
if you live a very, if you eat chocolate cake all day, every day, and you never move from the couch, but you're like, but I took my meds and it's not working. That's because medication is a fantastic crutch. It's a fantastic aid, but it, it is not the cure. It is not a cure for ADHD. And I believe that, you know, there are, there's actually thoughts in my brain of trying medication again, because it's been about six, seven years now since I've tried medication. Um, and I always think because I'm so good at it now, what if I'm running at a 90 at the moment all the time? And what if medication, what if five milligrams of Ritalin? What if five milligrams of Adderall? What if that pushed me into a hundred? What if I'm this awesome without medication? What if I become better? And it's always, you need to be open-minded with this kind of stuff because it's your brain. Let's figure out how to push it to the best possible limits before, uh, not, not to the burnout, because that's what most of us do. But let, let's figure out how to unlock our brain to do amazing things. Because the one thing that I was told my entire life, and this is going to be the end to, to this point, but the one thing that I was told my entire life was that I could never have an education, that I could never remember things, that I could never pay attention long enough to, to do anything that requires my brain. And I am extremely proud to say that I have an unbelievable memory, that I'm very well educated in the topics that I talk about, and I'm very proud of how I use my brain to help hundreds of thousands of people around the world and that almost got ruined by everybody telling me that I was something that I wasn't when it was in my control that that's what I love about the brain is it is in your control provided that you take the time to learn how mm, love that all right well you you gotta you, you gotta tell us about the uh, journey to ADHD the community and yeah. all the work you're doing there where do we send yes. people to to <laughs> learn more about your all of your good works yeah, thank you. Um, so, so I decided after becoming an influencer very early on, I really, really wanted to find a way to create a community or a way to create a platform, because what we actually have is a platform um, to help people understand their brains a little bit better. And I decided I got a little team together and I put, I, I saved up every dollar that I made from being an influencer, from coaching, from everything. I lived on my savings for about six months. And I put every dollar into creating the Journey to ADHD platform, which is its own social media platform dedicated to ADHD. Uh, we have the ability to host courses, host webinars, um, host events all inside of our program. We have body doubling. Uh, we have food preparation services. We have movie nights. We have social calls where everybody can just go in there and meet other people with ADHD. We have an entire platform made for others to just talk like in a Facebook newsfeed style for, uh, forum where they can just scroll through. You can dedicate the posts that you see by choosing topics such as addiction, relationships, uh, habit formation, all of those kind of things. We also have a full resource library inside of our platform. Um, I just ran out of breath there. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> we have a full resource library that actually gives people the ability to not be social if you ever don't want to be, where you can go in there and see. It's just, a, it's just a dedicated link resource library that we've made very simplistic with lots of big colors and big buttons to make everything very simple for people. And you can dedicate, again, whether you're looking at information for being pregnant and having an ADHD brain, or if you want to learn more about your food, your medication, you have the ability to learn on your own or with others. We have people like myself. Um, I have Camille Koopmans, who is a uh, full-time naturopathy major, as, and she actually, um, she specifies under ADHD. Um, we have a full-time perinatal coach on our platform that actually teaches mothers and, uh, and um, soon-to-be parents as well how to take care of their brain when they're going through pregnancy, when they're going through early adaptation of their lives. And what we're trying to do here is give people a one-stop shop to make them comfortable with their ADHD brain. And because we've made our own dedicated platform, what we have had to do is we put a paywall behind it of as low as $5 one time for you to be able to have access to the entire platform. 
And we are just looking to give people the ability to not only be a part of this platform, but also with the paywall behind it, we're looking to not create a series of trolls, a series of people that just want to post nonstop memes inside of there. We want people to really be there with a financial dedication to helping their brain. We, 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 we have created a community of such dedicated people. Most of our community runs the groups. Most of our community runs the events. They, they all just say, hey, can I do a body doubling session? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. We give people the freedom to be who they want inside of our platform. And that was the one thing that I kept seeing almost in every single forum. You know, when you look at the Reddit forums, when you look at the attitude forums, when you look at all of that kind of stuff, I noticed that they were there, but they were also black and white. And if you look at the journey to ADHD pro platform, the one thing that you'll never see is a single color. We, we, we see, we have multiple colors everywhere that you look. We have exciting, gigantic buttons. We are trying to make things stimulating so that when you go in there, you feel happy, you feel wholesome, you feel excited every second that you're in our platform. It's oh, awesome. That's great. That is awesome. Well, we sure appreciate your time and putting up with my voice today. <laughs> You've done great. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice, actually. I kind of want you to like record me a lullaby later. <laughs> right? Tone right now. Well, uh, we, we deeply appreciate you being here. We appreciate you kicking off uh, this series with us. Uh, everybody, had, uh, you can find him, uh, Matt, everywhere you need to find him at Journey 2, number 2, ADHD. Definitely a good follow on Insta and TikTok. And go check out the, the community. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic place, fantastic resource. Matt Rickleboom, the hey, best. Thank you. Thank you. you, guys so thank much. you. I really appreciate your time. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you all for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute about the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Matt Regelboom, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm -hmm.